summer. Some of you have been in and out. Some of you, I know, it's your first time here. And so we've been doing this series um, called the Word and the Spirit series. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. And um, a couple months ago, we started and we asked a couple of questions. Early on, we were building layers, foundations about this series. So we asked a couple of questions. The first question was, can we have the Word of God without the Spirit of God? And the resounding answer to that question is, no, we can't. We cannot have the Word of God without the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Spirit of God wrote the Word of God. Okay? And then it flipped the question around, can we have the Spirit of God without the Word of God? And the resounding answer to that question is also, nope, we can't. Um, there's some churches that try, even though they might not say that, that they might answer no to those questions, it practically... They, they live that way. So some people say, all I need is the Word of God, uh, and then they kind of ignore this, the Holy Spirit and His work. And others over here are like, well, I want something fresh, I want something new all the time, I just want the Spirit, and the Bible's a little bit hard to understand, so I'm just going to kind of leave it alone. And, and both of those extremes are, are, are wrong, they're ridiculous, they're unbiblical, they're unfoundational in, our, in what we believe as Christians. We need both the Word of God and the Spirit of God working 100% in our lives. So that's kind of like the foundation we laid. Then we began to look at a, a bunch of different things. Coming up to last few weeks, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Galatians chapter 5 lists off nine fruit of the Spirit. And we spent some time in working in groups. Some of you hated that, but it was, a, it was good for us to do that, I think. To, to, uh, to just see what, what pieces of the fruit are in our lives, which ones do we need to grow in. Um, and, and so we spent three weeks doing that, and I think, it, I think it was good. I heard a lot of good things about that. Um, when the fruit of the Spirit is displayed in our lives, uh, it's a sign that we are being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's really one of our main goals as believers, to be led by the Holy Spirit. So today, and probably next week, and maybe the week after, we'll see how it goes, um, we're going to turn our attention to the gifts of the Spirit, and, um, which are different from the fruit of the Spirit in one huge way. They're, they're different in a lot of ways, but they're, they're different in one main way that I really need to stress right from the beginning here, and that is this. All believers are commanded to pursue and manifest the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. All nine parts of that fruit. We are commanded to have love as much as we're commanded to have kindness, as much as we're commanded to have self-control, and all nine, right? Those are, we're commanded to manifest those. And, and certainly, we're all different, and some of, some of those are going to be more prevalent in, in our lives, but we're all commanded to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The gifts of the Spirit, however, are, are a little bit different in how they come to us because gifts of the Spirit come to us, um, they're sovereignly given to us by God. That's why they're called what? Gifts, right. They're gifts from God to us, meaning this, that when God gives us His gifts, and He's the one, we're going to look at this both this week and next week, uh, He's the one that decides which gifts he wants to give us. And when he gives us these gifts, they are irreversible, they are binding, and they're permanent. That means that, I suppose, if, uh, you know, if I gave, what's your name again? Hey, if I gave you a gift, what, what's your, you could receive it, right? And say, oh, thank you, and open it. That's a great gift. Or you could, I suppose you could like say, no, thank you, I don't want that gift. Like, you could do that, right? But which one would you most likely do? You would receive it. Yeah, and I think that's true of all of us. Sorry, I didn't want to embarrass you. <laughs> I'm sure that's true of all of us, right? We, we pretty much like to receive gifts. And, and yet when it comes to our spiritual gifts, I, I don't, is it the same? Like, do we receive those gifts and then wrap them up and uh, wrap, open them and, and get excited and use them and utilize them and play with them? And, and make them part of our lives? Or do we go, you know, no thanks, God. I don't want that. 
It's stupid. So I'll just say it's stupid to go, no thanks, I don't want that gift. But that's practically how a lot of people live. Um, Romans 11.29, it says, for God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. Meaning, once we receive the gifts from the Lord, we don't have a choice. We can't reject them. They're binding and permanent in our lives. And so that's the big difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit ebb and flow. We're, we're commanded to, for those to be part of our lives. The gifts of the Spirit, though, are sovereignly given to us. And, um, and therefore, every one of us who is a believer in Jesus today, every one of us has a gift or multiple gifts in our lives, but most likely none of us have all of the gifts in our lives. Okay, and that's why I say they're different from the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, we have all of them and we should pursue all of them. The gifts, we don't all have all of them, um, nor could we really operate in all of them. Okay, um, the spiritual gifts, um, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time today, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we will be bouncing around a bit, but, um, but for the most part we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. and by the way, there are several lists of gifts of the Spirit throughout the New Testament, we're going to primarily be focusing just in 1 Corinthians 12 because that's, that's the kind of context we have here. We're going to set it up this week and we're going to look more detail um, in it next week. So 1 Corinthians 12, um, the, the gifts of the Spirit, first thing I want to say is that they display um, the personal and powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, look, at, look at verse 4. We're going to start in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, so if you know anything about 1 Corinthians, you know this, that Paul, Paul is writing a series of corrections to the Corinthian church. They were, doing, they were doing a bunch of stuff that was not great, like in Paul's eyes. And so he wrote this letter to correct some of the behavior that they were doing. Some of the things they were doing incorrectly, he wanted to... Not, not because he was angry or mad at them or anything like that, because he loved them, he says. He wanted to correct their behavior. And so 1 Corinthians 12 is a correction, in a, in a lot of ways, an explanation of the proper use of spiritual gifts. Look to verse 4, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Okay, let's stop there for a minute. Did you, see, did you notice something cool here? There's a few passages we come across in the New Testament where we get to see all three persons of the Trinity working together. And we see that here. We saw the Spirit... We saw the Lord, which is a reference to Jesus, Lord Jesus, and then we saw God, which is often in the New Testament we see the word God, it's a reference to God the Father. So it's cool that we see that the Trinity works together, deciding uh, and distributing these gifts to every believer uh, for the common good of the church. Uh, they decide, in fact, which gifts each of us should have which is really terrifying and really awesome at the same time. Um, spiritual gifts um, are distributed freely and readily in the moment of need in order to enable believers' ministry in Jesus' name. Now, we could get a gift at the moment, we, at the moment of our salvation. We could receive a spiritual gift. Or... We could receive one years later in our lives as we've matured and changed and now we're ready for something uh, else. Um, both of those things happen. Um, but here's something I wanted to make sure we understand, though, is that spiritual gifts are not badges of honor. That, uh, they're not even like necessarily signs of spiritual maturity. And... and we could, we could do some case studies on that, but I don't want to take the time right now. Um, spiritual gifts are not earned. 
And they're not even required to prove that somebody is saved. Um, so all those things are, are misconceptions about spiritual gifts. Now, with all that said, though, with that said, Scripture makes it very clear that we have the responsibility to pursue the gifts of the Spirit as much as we have the responsibility to pursue the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, no believer um, is exempt from verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 12, which says, but desire the greater gifts. We are all to pursue and desire spiritual gifts in our lives, each, each of us. Now, um, something really interesting to me, though, in, in verse 31 there, it's that word desire. It's, it's uh, that, that English phrase, earn, some, of, some of yours say earnestly desire. It's a, uh, it's a Greek word, and sometimes, I don't always say the Greek word, but I will here to see if you guys can figure out what the English word is. The Greek word is zelo. Zealous. That's exactly right. So what, what Paul's saying here is that we should burn with zeal. We should, we should be zealous in pursuing spiritual gifts. He's strongly, strongly urging us to pursue after the spiritual gifts. But I wanted to to ask a question, why? And that's where I want to spend the rest of our time together today. Why do we want the spiritual gifts? We talk about them. We say we should pursue them. We say we should pursue the Holy Spirit. We say we need 100% of the Holy Spirit. And all those things are true. But why do we pursue the spiritual gifts? Have you ever thought about that question? Well, we're going to answer it today in part, in brief, because it's a it's a loaded question. There's a lot of answers to that. Um, but I would, I would guess that most of us here, if, if, you, if you were to answer that question, um, is that to one degree or the other, all of us would be like, like to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we probably wouldn't be in church if that wasn't true of us. God's created us to be spiritual people and there's no greater way to be spiritual people than to be filled with the Holy Spirit Himself. Um, but certainly not all of us desire it to the same level and not even for the same reasons. But still the question remains, why? Why do we want the spiritual gifts? So before discussing the spiritual gifts in detail, which the plan is to do that next week, um, I want to answer this question I think is crucial. And I don't, I don't really think too many people spend time answering this question. I think it's important um, before we get on to, to pursuing the gifts themselves. Why? Why do we want them? Um, so here's what we'll do today. If we have time, time's already going, but I'm going to give us three reasons, three right reasons to pursue the, the gifts of the Spirit and then I'm going to give us three wrong reasons to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, you ready? Ready to do it? All right, number one, here's the right reason to pursue the spiritual gift. Um, it's to bring glory to God. And we already sang, it was really cool how God set that up. Several of the songs we sang today had that theme in it. Like, we just want to worship and bring Glory to God. There's a great verse, and it's not quite in the same context, but it still applies. And it's, it's one you might know a couple chapters earlier. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all at all for the glory of God. And again, it's in a little bit of a different context, but certainly that whatever you do part applies here, doesn't it? So even in our pursuit of the spiritual gifts, we should bring glory to God. Um, the Holy Spirit seeks to bring glory to Jesus. True or false? True, absolutely. And we who pursue the Holy Spirit in our lives should desire to do the same. True or false? True. And, and maybe the only reason is but we want to be like Jesus. So do we want the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives to experience more of Him for our own benefit? or for His benefit. If it's for our own benefit, 
uh, we're really no different than Simon the Magician. You remember in Acts chapter 8, uh, they went to, uh, they believe it was Samaria, and there was this guy there named Simon, and he was a magician, and he tried to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember that story, Acts chapter 8? It's a crazy story. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, you should brush up on it later, not right now. Um, but he wanted this, this guy, Simon, he wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit so he could do the amazing things that the apostles were doing. And Peter's response to Simon was, was pretty strong. He said in Acts chapter 8, verse 20, Peter said to this guy, Simon, he says, May your silver be destroyed with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. The Holy Spirit is not a commodity to be bought or sold or, or traded according to our individual wants or whims or felt needs. The Holy Spirit is God. And He's not a lesser or different kind of being than God the Father or God the Son. He is exactly the same in essence. And because the Spirit is holy, it's in His name, and because He dwells in us, our bodies should become sanctuaries from God's point of view. Now, what's the point of a sanctuary? Now, this room right here, we may call it a sanctuary. That could be one word we would use. So what, what's the purpose of this room right here, right now at this moment? Somebody say it. What's that? Okay, yeah, to house things that are sanctified, including us. All of us are sanctified, absolutely. Any, one, anything else? I'm like, to worship? Yeah, whoever said that, great answer. Gold star. Um, yeah, when, we, when you think of a sanctuary, you think of, a, that's a place where I'm going to go and I'm going to worship God. You know, I'm going to be set apart for some holy purpose. And so we gather here on Sunday morning all together and, and we sing songs and we raise our hands and we... And we, you know, we, our voices and our hearts and these praise songs go up and then we sit and we listen to the Word of God and we listen to the Spirit of God teaching us and we fellowship and we encourage each other. All these things are forms of worship. If you turn around and look at those boxes in the back, we stress this as part of our church here is that we, we give money and that's a form of worship, right? We say, God, everything I have is yours. Take, take everything I have. Take my money. I want to worship you with that. And so we come to this place to worship, and I think about that with the spiritual gifts, um, that when God looks at each of us, he looks, we're just a bunch of little sanctuaries walking around, because why? We've got his spirit in us, and that spirit makes us a holy place. It's as if we're the, we're the holy of holies right in the middle of the temple back in the day in Israel, except we don't dwell in a place, in a location he dwells in our hearts. So I want to pause right now, just for a minute. Would you guys do something with me? Just let's pray together. Um, and whatever you want to do, you want to close your eyes, you want to lift your eyes up to the heavens like Jesus used to do. But let's pray together. And I want, to, I want us to pray for one thing as we consider the gifts of the Spirit in our life. Are those gifts for my glory? I want you to ask yourself. Are those gifts for my glory or are those gifts to bring him glory? Let's take 30 seconds. I know that it's, um, it's not enough time. I encourage you to press into that on your own a little bit more. Why do I want the spiritual gifts? Is it, is it so that I can, people can look at me and go, wow, he's really, he's really talented or she's really talented? Or do you want gifts for no other reason than to bring glory to God? So if bringing glory to God was the only reason why we should desire spiritual gifts. That would be enough, wouldn't it? 
But Scripture gives us other reasons. In fact, Scripture gives us a bunch of other reasons, but we're going to only look at two more for sake of time today. Go, if you're still in 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 7. I read it a minute ago, and I want to read it one more time. It said, A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person. Why? Say it with me. For the common good. So that's reason number two. Why should we earnestly desire, zealously, passionately desire spiritual gifts? One, to bring glory to God. Two, for the common good. And what does that mean? Let's talk about it. Now, we may have our own purposes for desiring the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our lives. And so does God. God has a reason. And the reason here is in verse 7 is it's for the common good. Uh, if you skip down to verse 11, it says, One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, the gifts that we're going to talk about next week, that's the reference there. One and the same Spirit is active in all things, distributing to each person as He wills. The gifts that we have been given have nothing to do, listen, have nothing to do with our natural abilities. We have not received them because we have earned them. We have not received them because we somehow deserve them, because we're such good people. Since these gifts come to us according to God the Holy Spirit's will and not our will, it should be clear that they should not be used for our own benefit. How should we use our gifts? For the common good. The Holy Spirit's intentional and purposeful um, as He apportions each of these spiritual gifts to each person. The most obvious purpose is for the good and the edification of the church, the body of Christ. Um, The Spirit desires to use us And sometimes we scratch our head at that, like, why would you want to use me? But he desires to use us, and he'll do it when our hearts are aligned with his vision for the church. He gives us gifts to use them for the common good of the church. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about all believers everywhere that live on this planet. And I don't know how many millions and millions of Christians there are, but we are all given gifts to build up the body of Christ all around the world, and especially in our little community here in Paso Robles. When, when our hearts are filled with genuine love for our church, um, good things are going to happen. We're going to desire to see the church grow, um, and we're going to see our desire for and love for God and others to grow. So let's ask, ask the question. On a scale of 1 to 10, don't answer out loud, okay? I know I, I, know I encourage you to answer out loud, but right now just keep it, in, keep it in with yourself. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love your church? How much do you love the church, I should say? On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love the church? It's hard to answer that question probably for many of us, especially on the spot like that. But, but now do something, let's do something awkward. Well, full of awkward moments today. Look around to people next to you. People you know, maybe some people you don't know, maybe some people you've never even met. But look around for a minute to everybody. I get the privilege of looking at all you guys all the time. And unfortunately, you have the unprivileged look at me all the time. But look around to each other. And I want you to think to yourself. How much do I love these people? Like, these are my brothers and sisters, literally, literally, but also unliterally. Um, brothers and sisters in Jesus. How much do I really love these people? How much do I pray for these people, for God to empower these people and encourage them to, to walk in a deeper relationship with him. See, the, the whole, yeah, yeah. And you say that same thing for the other churches in town that maybe don't believe the same way we do. Mm. They're still our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. 
and Pete expanded. Mm -hmm. Okay, they expanded out to that church and that church and that church. Mm -hmm. God bless. Do we love those people? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, they're not our enemies, right? No. Yeah. Sometimes we act like it. That's a shame on us. Remember John 4, Remember first John 4, 19, No, I don't. <laughs> mm. Good word. Thank you. Yeah. See, the Holy Spirit has given us each a supernatural ability. According to this verse we just read, so that we could serve each other in the body of Christ. And if God cares enough about his church, his bride, to give us these spiritual empowered abilities... Shouldn't we care enough about the church to use that gift for the same purpose? I guess that's what I'm saying. Which leads us to another third real quick, um, re totally related reason. Uh, this time we'll go over, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it. We'll go over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Um, and it says that um, we've been given spiritual gifts so to equip the saints and building up of the body of Christ. So there's a third reason. And it's really closely related to, uh, to what we just talked about. The word equip over in Ephesians 4.12, it means, uh, and this is a great definition. I had no idea this. It, the, the word equip, it means to recover wholeness as when a broken limb is set and mends. That's an amazing word, right? So you... Like a couple years ago, I don't know if you remember, I broke my elbow and I had to have it in a little cast for a few months. And then eventually, it, because I had it in there, it eventually um, healed and it mended itself. And that's what that word equip means. It means take something broken and mend it back together. So we use our spiritual gifts to equip, to mend um, what was broken in each other's lives. When we properly desire and use the spiritual gifts that we have been given, that we have received from the Holy Spirit, we bring wholeness to the rest of the body. That's a great, isn't that amazing? I just learned something new this week and it was awesome. I wanted to share that with you guys. Um, unfortunately, the opposite is true as well, that when we're not properly using our gifts, what's happening? We're bringing harm to the body of Christ. Back in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about, um, starting in verse 12 and a whole bunch of verses that we're not going to read, but he, he talks about how um, the entire body is needed and useful and even indispensable. So he says that uh, some of the gifts that, that are readily seen, some of the parts of the body that are readily seen, are some of the least important. And some that are never seen are some of the most important. But every part of the body is important. We wouldn't like chop off our finger and say, I don't need that finger anymore. That's ridiculous. Like, but, but when it comes to our, the body of Christ, do we do that? Um, so remember, Paul's correcting um, wrong behavior here. So I just kind of food for thought for us today, um, like Pastor Dave was just saying. We've got to think of that in terms of not just pastoral as Bible church, but in terms of the church. That's absolutely important. Um, and when all of us are using our gifts, we are going to bring unity to the church. Each gift contributes to something necessary for the common life and growth of the whole. It's really cool. I, I love that definition to equip, to Bring, to, to bring something, to mend something, to make it whole again. It's, a, it's really neat. And we have that privilege to do that. It's cool. 
Now, we don't all have the same gifts. We know that. And uh, we're not all equipped the same way. Uh, but all of the gifts that we have, and therefore each and every one of us, are important. So um, those are some of the right reasons why we should pursue uh, the spiritual gifts. There's more. Now, I want to consider some of the wrong reasons. Um, and time is going. I don't know if we're going to finish this today, uh, or we might. You guys might have to get up and stretch or something. We'll see what happens. But here's three. I also have three wrong reasons. And again, not exhaustive list, but these are, these are almost as important as the right reasons because I think sometimes as believers, we begin to get in our own heads about spiritual gifts sometimes. And uh, so I just wanted to bring these out to you and uh, then you can do what you want with them, okay? So here's the first wrong reason why we should desire spiritual gifts and that is to bring attention to oneself. To bring attention to oneself. Now, it's true that Jesus told us to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. If you were here a few weeks ago, John Scribner got up and, and taught on that passage in Luke, ask, seek, and knock passage. And it's true that Jesus said we need to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and when we ask for it, what will happen? We'll receive it. Um, and this certainly includes spiritual gifts. Yet his brother, Jesus' brother James, said in chapter 4, verse 3, I'll read it, you ask and you do not get it. Why? Because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So, a wrong reason to seek the spiritual gifts is so that we could use it on ourselves, that we, it could bring us pleasure. We already kind of talked about this. Um, one of our main reasons why we should pursue the spiritual gifts is to bring God glory. And it's super hard to bring God glory and to bring ourselves glory at the same time, isn't it? Um, our desires should never be um, to bring glory or attention to ourselves in the use of our spiritual gifts. Never. I'm going to be firm on that. Never. According to John 16, 14, the Spirit of truth works to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is working to glorify Jesus. Yet so many people who emphasize, not so many, but some people, I should say, who emphasize the Holy Spirit seems to want to draw attention to themselves instead of to God. It's, I've, I've seen that, and, and um, maybe you have as well. Um, but you know where we really see it is in the Corinthian church. Again, Paul's addressing some wrong behavior. And one of the wrong behaviors that the Corinthian church was is they had become chaotic in their use of spiritual gifts. Um, individuals, the reason why they became chaotic, not because of the gifts, not because of the Holy Spirit, but because of the people were incorrectly using the gifts that were given to them. They were not concerned about the betterment of the church. They were trying to use the gifts that they had received for their own glory. They weren't interested in God uh, and God doing stuff in other people's lives. They just kind of wanted to show off what God was doing in them. And so it says that they, would, they were chaotic in their service and everyone was speaking in tongues and the, the service seemed crazy and everybody was standing up and prophesying and things seemed crazy. Is speaking in tongues and is prophecy wrong? No. The gifts are never wrong. The Holy Spirit's never wrong. It's the people. It's us. We misuse the gifts that have been given us and that's when chaos, that's when it gets crazy. A sure sign of the Holy Spirit's working is that God is receiving glory, not people. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and do what? Give glory to your Father in heaven. When the Holy Spirit is truly moving in our lives, God is the one who is being praised. Jesus is the one that's being lifted up. The Holy Spirit is the one being glorified. When the Spirit moved 
On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, people knew what was happening, the miraculous supernatural things that were happening on that day. They knew it was coming from God. That's why they didn't say something like this. Man, Peter, he's amazing. John, he's amazing. Like he learned a new language in a matter of seconds. Wow, Peter, he so must be... Like they weren't saying that. What were they saying? No, they clearly had to come from the Holy Spirit. They knew it had to be God. So they said, let's pray. Let's desire that God would empower us so radically that we would get no glory at all. And I love that. I want that to be our prayer. Let's pray so passionately that that the Holy Spirit empowers each of us so miraculously and supernaturally that we just go, it's not me. It's God, and we give Him all the glory, and I don't get any of it, and you don't get any of it. We want people to see our good works and give all the glory to God. Okay, so that's the first wrong reason to pursue gifts. Here's the second wrong reason, and um, might step on some toes here, but look, I don't care. <laughs> I just I want to... I want to present these, and then, like I said, you can do with, do with it what you want. The second wrong reason to pursue gifts is for the sole purpose, listen, that's important, the sole purpose of miracle hunting. What do I mean by that? Look over at Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, 19, 20. We're going to read that in just a minute, so get ready for that. Luke 10, 19. And 20. It's amazing that has anybody experienced a true miracle? Raise your hand if you've if you've experienced it or seen or received a true miracle. I know Rick has. You received a miracle. Your elbow. You remember that? Yeah, you remember it. Um, I've seen I've seen them in my life, and even from something as commonplace as the birth of our three kids, miracle, supernatural. Um, two, I've seen some other things, and I know you guys have as well. Um, it's, a, it's, it's amazing when we see a true miracle, though, something that couldn't happen by natural means, like something like somebody gets healed, uh, you know, or whatever it is, it's something supernatural. It's amazing, and um, it seems like uh, we want to see and experience true supernatural miracles from God. And in and of itself, that's not wrong. It's not bad to want that or desire it. However, listen close because I don't want you to misunderstand my words. My concern has always been that that I've known people, I've had friends who believe this, whose pursuit of miracles was greater than their pursuit of God who gives the miracles. And that's all, that's, not great. Um, it's proper and obedient for us to desire supernatural things like miracles and healings and prophecies. Uh, those are good. They come from the Lord. They're good things. It's proper and right. But focusing on those things more than we focus on God quickly, quickly, quickly becomes misguided. God wants us to seek and listen to the Holy Spirit. And when we hear Him, He wants us to obey, to pursue the fruit, to serve others, to trust Him, to provide miracles and supernatural things when He sees fit. So Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, Jesus said, Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So those words are from Jesus, so it's, those are good things, right? However, Jesus says, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here's the point. Supernatural spiritual gifts are not like a vending machine where we walk up and we put a quarter in and we pray the right prayer and out pops a miracle. Like that's sometimes how we think of supernatural things or spiritual gifts even. That's not right. Spiritual gifts are not an end in and of themselves. 
They always point and accomplish something greater. Does God still want to empower people for supernatural gifts today? Yes. Should we earnestly desire supernatural gifts to be part of our lives in church? Yes. But we need to be first and foremost in pursuit of Him above all things. Not the supernatural gifts for their own sake. Are you with me? Did you follow what I was saying there? I'm not against spiritual gifts. I'm all for them, in fact. But I'm all for them in the proper way. And here's one last reason. Um, we'll just go for it. You guys, can, you guys can leave if you need to. Get your kids or whatever. But we've got ten minutes. Here's one more. Wrong reason to pursue the gifts is that we should not desire spiritual gifts in order to control the Holy Spirit. What? Did you say control the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I said that. Romans 8.14 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Romans 8.14 did not say, For all who lead the Spirit of God are children of God. The Holy Spirit was given to direct us And when we desire the things of the Spirit, when we desire the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit, we're allowing Him, if I can even say that, we're allowing Him to guide us. Now, by definition, it's ridiculous to desire the Holy Spirit for our own purposes or to direct Him or to tell Him what to do and when to do it. That seems silly to me. Uh, The Holy Spirit is not some kind of passive power that sits in our lives waiting for us to wield Him as we choose. The Holy Spirit, as we already mentioned, is God. He is a being who requires that we submit ourselves and are led by Him. Do you agree with that? Now, I I would reckon that most of us here would say we want to be led by the Spirit of God. But we're actually terrified of this reality. And uh, let me explain what I mean. What would, it, what would it mean if we were really and fully submitted and led by the Almighty Spirit of God? What would that really mean in our lives? What if He asks us, to give up something we're not ready to give up. Maybe it's a monetary thing or possession. Maybe it's some fleshly desire we're harboring in our lives. What if he asks us to give it up, but we don't really want to? What if he leads us somewhere we don't want to go? Are we willing to change jobs or move or give up all our money to follow him? I mean, those are things that people did in the Bible. Those are things that Jesus told people to do, and, and some of them did it, and some of them didn't do it, to be honest. To surrender to him fully, no matter where he wants to take us or what he wants to do with us, that's what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. So ask again, do we want to be led by the Holy Spirit or do we want to lead the Holy Spirit? Most of us would probably prefer the multiple choice option of following the Holy Spirit. So that if, if he tells us to do A and we don't want to do A, we also have B, C, or D to pick from, right? Well, I, don't, I don't want to do that. What if I do that instead? Now, listen, I, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be silly about this, but to be fair, that's exactly, sometimes that's exactly how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Sometimes he gives us options, and we can pick the one, and they're all good, right? They're all right, and they're all, they're all okay. Um, that's okay. It's, to, to be fair, he absolutely works that way sometimes, but sometimes... He calls us to do a particular thing and we have the choice to either obey that particular thing 
or not to obey that particular thing. Like we, the illustration we use, we can receive the gift or we can reject it. Right? Sometimes we have that choice. And so we need to ask ourselves, do I want to lead or be led by the Holy Spirit? So that's the third wrong reason why we desire spiritual gifts, is that we desire them so that we can control the Holy Spirit. Not good. So let's get a little practical here, and we will close with this just a couple more minutes. When we submit to the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, when we are seeking the giver more than the gifts, when we're living to bring Him glory, not ourselves, that's when good things begin to happen. Spiritual gifts will come to us in power. Uh, Miracles will flow in and through us. The body of Christ will be equipped and built up and edified. And our lives will begin to look more like Jesus' life. And there are two things, um, and gosh, we could spend a ton of time on this, but I won't. Okay, there's two things, don't worry. More than anything else, I think, two things that exemplified the life of Jesus that we should pursue after. And here they are, holiness and love. And there's, like I said, a hundred other things we could add to that list. Holiness and love. The Spirit primarily is in our lives to lead us to holiness. Right? We already said it. It's in His name, the Holy Spirit. And when He comes into our lives, now we become holy. What does that mean? It means that we were talking about the last couple of weeks that we put to death the desires of the flesh. Those things listed in Galatians 5 right before the fruit of the Spirit are listed. It's like we don't want those sin issues in our lives. We want to crucify them, Scripture says. It's a harsh word, but I think it's used intentionally to show us how important it is to put to death the deeds of the flesh and to pursue the new life in the Holy Spirit. And in addition to holiness... Being led by the Spirit will result in us becoming more like Jesus in His love. And after back in 1 Corinthians 12, after Paul discusses the fruit of the Spirit in all through chapter 12, uh, he writes in the very last verse, read it already, I'll read it again, but desire the greater gifts. And then he says an interesting sentence, he says, and I will show you an even better way. It's almost like he's saying, yeah, spiritual gifts are very important. I spent a whole chapter just talking about how important they are. And spoiler alert, I'm going to spend another chapter talking about them in just a minute. He says, spiritual gifts are very important, but let me tell you about something that's even more important than spiritual gifts. And then he goes on to write the famous chapter of love, 1 Corinthians 13. Right in the middle of 12 and 14, both spiritual gift chapters, it's make no mistake that the Holy Spirit put that exactly where he wanted it to be. Spiritual gifts important? Yes, absolutely. Desiring gifts important? Yes. Last verse, a verse, um, last verse of chapter 12, first verse of chapter 14, both say the, basically the same thing. Desire, pursue the spiritual gifts. What's in the middle? Love. It, the Holy Spirit d- didn't get it wrong here, did he? And long before the Doobie Brothers said it, without, without love, nothing else matters, right? He specifically says that without love... Speaking in tongues of men and angels and prophetic powers and understanding all the mysteries of knowledge, which are good things, but without love, those things mean, anybody know? Nothing. So let me, let me flip it around. Speaking in the tongues of men and angels, prophetic powers and understanding all the mysteries and knowledge of God are good things, important things, proper things, things we should desire and pursue after. But without love, they mean nothing. Love is more important. 
Holy Spirit is the one who fills believers with the love of God and uh, enables us to love one another. And And it is when we live like this is when the Holy Spirit is going to move in us and act in us in supernatural ways. This is the purpose for living. This is the purpose for our hope. And this is why we should earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Okay, so next week, we're going to go back to chapter 12 and look at the little list of gifts he gives between verses 7 and 11. He gives a little, little list of gifts, important gifts. Um, but with this teaching as the foundation for that, that's how we want to look at them. All right, you with me? Come back next week. We'll dig into those a little bit. And, uh, and then we'll see what the, the Lord wants to do with those gifts. But more importantly, we'll see what he wants to do with the love that we have for God and for others. So let's pray. We'll sing another song, and you guys can uh, go get your kids and go get some lunch, all right? Father God, we love you. And uh, yeah, we, we want to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Yes, we do. We want every bit of you that we can have. You haven't ceased any of your gifts. You haven't stopped working in the way you've always worked. You're supernatural. God, anytime the Holy Spirit does anything, it's supernatural. Whether that's bringing somebody to salvation for the first time, or whether that's healing somebody, or whether that's speaking in a tongue that we don't know how to speak in, or whether that's prophesying a message, whether that's a word of knowledge or or a word of wisdom, whatever you want to do, those things are all supernatural. And in some ways, love is supernatural because it doesn't, if left to ourselves, we just get it wrong all the time. And for that, we repent of it, first of all. And secondly, we, we desire, Holy Spirit, that you do a supernatural work of love in each of our lives. That we would love God we would love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we would love others as we love ourselves. That you would take our broken parts of our body and mend them back together. <coughs> that, that you would fill us with your spirit that we might accomplish these things. Because apart from him at work in our lives, boy, we just can't do it, God. We're so dependent on on you, or we should be. So I pray that this week that we will work on a few things, that we will work on seeking after you more than we seek after our own purposes, that we would bring you glory by how we live, not bring ourselves glory. And as we pursue gifts, rightly so, that we would use them for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ until The perfect comes, Jesus, until you come back and take us all home to heaven. And and then as we gather next week, I pray, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you would be in our midst, that you would teach us and give us wisdom on how to understand properly the use of spiritual gifts in pastorables in 2023. That's what we want to do, Lord, for your glory. Amen.